0: I'm Amanda Pittman, and this is the Confident Woman Podcast. This podcast was created to equip you to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. In this community, we'll talk about what you care about most, living shamelessly for Jesus, speaking unapologetically for truth, and bringing heaven to earth. So make yourself comfortable. We're going to chop it up, keep it real, and change the world world. So we need to focus on what our approach to God is. And the only way that we can attack our approach to God is look at what the scripture says. So we're going to dig into some scripture today in Genesis from the very beginning. From the very beginning the enemy was after your approach to God. The way that you see God, the way that you relate to God, so we're going to dig right into that. We're going to do a kind of Bible study style. So all I recommend for you to do is to have some notes, to have your Bible. I recommend a physical Bible so that you can underline and um, you can also journal along with us. I recommend that you do that. So. Um, what If you need to right now, go ahead and pause this video if you're not already, if you don't already have your Bible and your journal and something to write with, I recommend you pause this video right now so that you can follow along in your Bible with your journal. So let's talk about our approach to God. I believe that Christianity has a branding problem. We often think of Christianity as something to be endured and not something to be enjoyed. I've thought to myself in the past that, hey, if I could just endure this church service, if I can just get through this long church service, it you know, it's, it's over an hour long. If I could just endure with a good attitude, then I get extra brownie points with God. I just get some extra brownie points in heaven. But it doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't be that way. Christianity is not something to be endured. It's something to be enjoyed something that we should take pleasure in, something that we get to delight in. We get to delight in relationship with God. And so, no, you don't get extra brownie points if you're enduring a boring church service. No, we need to actually learn to enjoy our relationship with God. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying our relationship with God. If heaven was just this terrible place that nobody wanted to be in because we had to endure it for the rest of eternity, then why would anyone want to go there? No, if we learn to enjoy our relationship, not just learn, because that word can connotate that it's not fun or uh, it's something that we just have to figure it out. No, if we we get to enjoy our relationship with God the way it was designed to be enjoyed, then it's going to make eternity that much sweeter because we'll be able to say, I enjoyed you, Lord, while I was here on earth, and now I get to spend the rest of eternity with you. So, our relationship with God is not something to be endured, but it's something to be enjoyed. I was, uh, I was recently a couple months ago. I was taking an Uber ride, and while I was on this Uber ride, I met a man, and it was right after church. I had preached that uh, Saturday night service at church. And I get into the car, and he says, "You know, were you are you coming home from a party?" And I said, "No, I'm actually coming home from church." And he was really surprised because he's an older guy. I'm sure he, you know, picks up a lot of people around Grant Park and it's probably normally, you know, drunk 20-somethings. And I said, no, I was not partying. I was, you know, I'm just coming home from church. He, He was surprised. He was like, oh, Church. And we started getting onto the topic of church and faith and Christianity. And honestly, it was low hanging fruit. I'm like, man, you are primed and ready to talk about God. Plus I just got out of church. So I'm, I feel extra excited to talk to God, uh, talk about God with you. And so I was just asking him some questions and uh, I was like, okay, so, so do you go to church? Are you, do you consider yourself, you know, a spiritual guy? Do you know God? And he said, well, I grew up going to a Pentecostal church, and I, I go to a church every now and then. Uh, yeah, but you know, I don't really take it seriously. And so I started to ask him, So, what, what is it that is keeping you from God? Or what is it that's keeping you from really knowing God and, and going all in on church? And he was saying something to the effect of following God is hard all of the rules in the Bible, man, there's this rule, there's that rule. It's impossible to keep them all. You're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love your neighbor and you're not supposed to cuss. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to do this or that. That's hard. That's really hard. It's really hard to upkeep that type of life. I don't know if I can do that lifestyle. And then he also said things along the lines of, you know, I would see people in church and they would do all kinds of crazy stuff. They would run around the church. They would fall out. But their lives didn't match up. So they would preach about these things. You should do this. You should do that. You should do this. Follow this rule. Follow that rule. Yet when I looked at their life, their life was not a reflection of that. And so I really resonated and related to this man. And I just kept telling him, you know, Following the rules is not Christianity. You can actually follow all of the rules and be far from God and not even know God. But the way I encountered God was when I stopped trying to follow all the rules and and I started to just try to know God, know God for who he is. And whenever I started praying and reading the Bible, not from a place of religion, but from a place of, I want to figure out who this God is, That's when God captured my heart. And I shared an experience with him of, you know, how I had once had a dream where I went to heaven and I met Jesus and he told me that all of my sins were wiped away. And I kept pleading with God, Jesus, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here. Do you see what I've done? And Jesus said to me, I don't remember any of that because the scripture says, as far as the East is from the West. So God has separated your sins from you. Jesus said, I don't remember that. And it was in that moment that I understood grace. I understood the only reason why I was standing before Jesus in that dream, which I believe was more than a dream. The only reason was because I accepted a relationship with him. There's nothing that we can do to earn our right standing with God. There's nothing that we can do, no rule book that we could follow to make us right with God. Now, this is a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing and it's a good thing, but it has good news attached to it and bad news attached to it. The good thing is, hey, we're sinners and it is by God's grace that we get acceptance into heaven. And there's only one way, and that one way is believing in Jesus. And if we believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter what we've done. God accepts us and he loves us. The bad news is, if you follow all of those rules, yet you fail to have a relationship with God, God would say, whenever you come to heaven and you meet Jesus in heaven, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's when we have to experience eternal separation from God, which is the worst than anything we could ever imagine. And so we have to think to ourselves, what is going to be my approach to God? And that's something that I was trying to talk to the man in the Uber about. Your approach to God is not one of religion, but it's one of relationship. If you have a relationship with God and you just fall in love with God, that's where the enjoyment comes. That's when you start to enjoy your relationship with him. And when you love God, then out of the place of love flows all of the goodness. And that's when he really starts to transform your life. So no, you don't have to clean yourself up and then come to God. No, you come to God and he's the one who cleans you up. So let's talk about these two two approaches to God. Let's talk about these two approaches to God. Genesis 2, 8-9 says this. Verse 8 says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. This was Adam. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now what's really interesting about this scripture is whenever I was growing up, I always imagined that the tree of life was just among all the other trees. And in the middle of the garden was just this tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it was this worst temptation. But it actually says this is that in the middle of the garden were the tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so here they are both in the middle of the garden now the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of the good and of the knowledge of good and evil represents two different approaches to God two different ways that we can look at God and one approach to God is life and the other approach to God is knowledge one approach to God is relationship the other approach to God is religion so the tree of life represents A life-giving relationship with God. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents a religion-based, rules-based, knowledge-based view of God. Behavior modification isn't life transformation. And we need to have a true conviction about this. Like I mentioned, you can do all of the right things. But that doesn't mean that God has actually transformed you from the inside out. So we need to understand that, hey, the closer we get to God, the more he transforms us. And it's out of the abundance of the heart. And and it's a work that he's done in us that causes us to change. Genesis 3 and 1 through 7 says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. This was Eve. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know what's really interesting that's not really talked about when, whenever we looked at, looked at this scripture is that, Satan didn't try to tempt Eve with evil. He didn't try to tempt Eve with something that was blatantly wrong. He tried to tempt Eve with something that seemed godly, something that seemed good, something that seemed desirable. And what was that thing? Satan's attempt to derail your life isn't always to get you to do bad things. In this case, the enemy was appealing to Eve's desire to be godly. He said, you'll be like God. Your eyes will be open. You'll become more like God. And even in church, we use, Satan uses this tactic to get us to believe the wrong approach to God and to have the wrong approach to God. Satan will say, if you follow all of these rules, then you'll be like God. If you become religious, then you'll be like God not understanding that it's a relationship with God that makes us more like Him. It's a relationship with God that transforms us to be like Him. And so what Eve was doing was she was trying to go around God to become like God. And that's what the enemy will sometimes cause us to do, to get us to go around God to become like Him. And the way that this plays out in our everyday lives is, hey maybe you are you know going to church doing a lot of things for god maybe you're starting a ministry or maybe you're trying to do all of the right christian things but you're neglecting to actually sit before god you're neglecting to actually spend time with god you're neglecting to actually just pray and be in his presence and cultivate a lifestyle of worship and when we start to approach god from a place of i can do all these things for you then we're trying to be godly without actually Spending time in God's presence. And so the enemy tried to tempt Eve. Well, the, the enemy successfully tempted and, um, and deceived Eve with the desire to be godly. So understand that Satan isn't always going to tempt you with right and wrong. Sometimes Satan tempts you with right and almost right. So we need to have the wisdom to discern God, relationship with God versus religion. Now, let's take three looks at these two trees. We're going to take three looks at these two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says this. Do more to get to God. It's a performance-based view of God. We'll say, hey, if I jump this high, if I, you know, say yes to everything he tells me to do, if I'm just obedient, then God is going to love me. God is going to accept me. And many times when we have a performance-based view of our own earthly fathers, many times we'll project that view onto God. And so I think even there's a lot of healing to be done whenever it comes to our view of God in relationship to our view of our earthly father. If if our father was was a man who only loved us when we did things the right way, only loved us when we looked a certain way, only loved us when, when we made him proud, only praised us when... Um, We did everything right, then many times we'll project that view onto God. And I just want to prophetically say this God is not like your father. God is a heavenly father, and he lacks no good thing. He's the perfect father to you, and he knows how to father you perfectly. And he does not have a performance-based view of you. He loves you before you ever did anything. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God loved you before you could do a thing. So it is from it is a satanic view of God, and I can say that in full confidence because it comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, It is a satanic view of God to say, God only loves me if I do this and that. I have a performance-based view of God. But the tree of life says, receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. You can't do more to get to God. Jesus has already paid the price. You can't do more to get to God. Now you can spend time with him to grow in relationship with him, but you can't do more to get to God. Jesus has already done it. That's what the tree of life says. Let's go to John 5, 39 through 40. John 5, 39 through 40. I'm there. All right. John 5, 39 through 40 says this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I'll say it one more time because this scripture is so powerful. Take your time and read it with me. And these are in red letters. This is Jesus who is speaking. You study the scriptures diligently Because you think that in the scriptures, you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is saying this, the Bible is powerful, it is the word of God, however the scriptures are not God in the fact that you'll, you're will you not going to get eternal life. You're not going to get into heaven just by reading the Bible. The d- demons can read the Bible. People who don't believe in God can read the Bible. Atheists can read the Bible. Anybody can read the Bible. The Bible does not give you eternal life. No, the God of the Bible gives you eternal life. So you you don't go to the Bible to find relationship. You go to God for a relationship. And you just go to the Bible to learn about God. The Bible testifies about God. The Word of God tells you about who God is. It helps you to learn about His character. It, It helps you to grow closer to Him. But it is not your way to eternal life. The Scripture says there is one way, and that one way is Jesus. And the way that you get to Jesus is through prayer. You sit as you sit at his feet and you say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I confess my sins to you. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. There are so many things that I confess to you, and I and I just put them before your feet and I say, I need you, Jesus. Come into my life, be Lord of my life. I give my life to you. I submit my life to you. And Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And after you do that, you start to cultivate a one on one prayer life with God. And we ask, we we may wonder to ourselves, how do I gauge my relationship with God? And your relationship with God is gauged by your prayer life. How much time are you spending in prayer? And how much quality time are you spending in prayer? Um, there's there's a difference between, you know, I'm going to section off the first 10 minutes of my day to spend with God. And you know what? I'm truly going to become a friend of God to where I'm conversing with him throughout the day because I see him as someone who I can reach out to at any point, at any moment. And I can continue to have this conversation with God. And so instead of looking to rules and regulation and even the word of God to relate to God, No. You can confidently approach the throne of God through prayer, and you can open up your mouth and have a conversation with God and truly build a relationship with God. It's not the scriptures that get you there. It's that relationship that gets you there. So that was the first look. The second one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval because God is inherently mad. You've got to be very careful of what your view of God is. If we think that we have to keep getting God's approval and that he's mad, then we're gonna think, okay, I'm I'm already starting at a deficit, I gotta work my way up. I gotta work my way into right standing with God. So, hey, I know that Jesus died for me, I know that Jesus saved me, but God is an angry God. He's mad at me, he's waiting for me to fail. In fact, I have to actually come from a deficit Work my way towards him. But that's not the right approach to God. God is not inherently angry, it's the love of God that draws us here. The tree of life says, receive the fact that God already loves you. We love God because He first loved us. We love God because He first loved us. Romans 5:8, like I mentioned, while we we're still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to have this view of God that He loves us and he's inherently pleased with us. So we need to change our self-talk when it comes to God. Instead of thinking God's going to be mad at me, God is going to strike me dead, God's angry with me. No, our inherent self-talk needs to be God loves me. God graces me. He loves me even when I do wrong. He loves me even when I sin. There's nothing that can snatch me out of the Father's hand. Now, here is the last thing that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says. It says, obey out of duty. But the tree of life says, obey out of delight. It's not, I have to pray. I have to go to church. I have to worship out of duty. It's I get to pray. I get to go to church. I get to worship God. Hallelujah. What a privilege. I get to do this out of the delight in my heart. I get to come near to God. I get to spend time in the presence of the Almighty, in the King of Kings, in the Lord of Lords presence. I get to bow before him. I get to stand confidently before him. I get to twirl around and, and spend time with him as if he was my friend, as if I, I get to walk closely with God. It's a privilege. It's a delight. Thank you, God, for choosing me. Thank you, God, for choosing me that I get to serve you out of for the rest of my life. I get to have a purpose. I get to have a calling. I get to have meaning. I get to have uh, deliverance from my past. I get to walk in the newness of life. It's out of delight. Let's look at 1 John 5.3. First John 5, 3 says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The scripture says that God's commands aren't burdensome. So if it seems like it's burdensome for you to truly walk out your faith, if it's burdensome for you to truly love God, then you may be approaching God from a place of duty and not from a place of delight. You may be viewing God through the lens of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not from the tree of life. So let's have a tree of life view of God that we get to follow God, that we get to walk out in our purpose, that God chose us. Because his commands are not burdensome and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So that means if we get to just spend time in God's in God's presence face to face, understanding his true love of us. And if, if we understand that we can love, worship and love his presence, then following God won't be hard. It won't be burdensome. And in, in fact, it'll be light and easy and it'll be a delight. So. Here are a few things we need to make sure that we do so that we have the correct view of God and that we approach God through the lens of the tree of life. Number one, we need to fall in love with Jesus. And the way that we fall in love with Jesus is that we know who he is and we know what he has done for us. John fourteen fifteen says, If you love me, you'll do what I command. Now there are two different ways that you can read the scripture. If you love me, you'll do what I command. So first, let me read it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If we read it from the perspective of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, um, then we'll read it like this. If If you love me, then you'll prove your love to me. Prove it. Prove you love me. Do what I say. And I'll be honest, for most of my life, that's the way I read this scripture. That was my view of God. But let's actually change the lens Change the perspective from which we're reading this. What if we put on a new filter and we read it through the lens of the tree of life? If you love me, you'll do what I command. Simple, because you love me. So fall in love with me and doing what I command is an afterthought. Doing what I command comes flows out of that. It's not, you have to prove to me that you love me. It's that, hey, My commandments are gonna be an outflowing delight of your heart if you love me. So just fall in love with me. If you love me, you'll do what I command. If you just fall in love with Jesus, you'll do what he wants automatically. So focus on falling in love with Jesus, not doing what he commands. And if you fall in love with Jesus, you'll automatically do what he commands because you love him. Number two. Serve God through relationships, not rules. Serve God through relationship, not rules. Let's look at Matthew 5:17. Matthew 5:17 says this: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now this is Jesus speaking, and before Jesus came to earth, there was an Old Testament law that everybody had to fulfill and we had to follow all of the rules. And if we didn't follow the rules and we had to take a piece of cattle like a goat or a sheep or a ram or something, and we would have to sacrifice that on an altar. And that shedding of blood would cover the sins that we had done. It was a very rules-based relationship with God, and it was impossible for everyone to fulfill the law at all times, and it was very hard to upkeep. So Jesus comes in, and when Jesus is speaking to these people, he says, I haven't come to do away with the law. I haven't done to get rid of it, but I've come to fulfill it because Jesus is that sacrifice. And so the scripture goes on to talk about it and says the scripture, instead of being written on tablets like the Ten Commandments, and instead of just being, being written, you know, to, Torah style, the scripture is going to be written on our hearts. The rules are going to be written on our hearts. The law is going to be written on our heart. And that's because Jesus' sacrifice paid it all like as if Jesus was a sacrifice on the altar. And when we accept Jesus into our heart, we, our, our bodies are filled with his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that testifies to the law in our heart. And so instead of saying, okay, what rule do I need to follow? What rule do I need to follow? The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes into our heart. So we know right from wrong based on what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. Because the Holy Spirit is a person who's living inside of us saying, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Forgive that person. Love that person. And when we follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we're reading the Bible and we're having a true relationship with God, then we are going to do everything that God wants us to do from a place of love and from a place of relationship, not rules. We won't have to follow every single rule that's written in the Bible because the rules are written on our heart. And we want to fulfill that because we love Jesus Temptation is a test of your relationship with God, not your self-control. So instead of trying to just become super disciplined in order to please God, just focus on becoming closer to God. The closer you are to God and the stronger your relationship is, the less you'll have a taste for sin, the less you'll desire to sin. Because you don't want to break God's heart. You're in love with him. Why would you want to break someone's heart if you're in love with them? It's kind of like a marriage relationship. To Extramarital temptation is not truly a test of your discipline, it's a test of how much you love your spouse. If I love my husband, there's no temptation that would ever cause me to want to be with anyone else. Why is that? Because I love him so much. I'm not focused on anyone else because I'm madly in love. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. If you're madly in love with God, then temptation loses its touch. It's it's not a test of your self-control. It's not self-control that's causing you to wander in in sin. It's your love for God. If you just fall more deeply in love with God and and you truly value that relationship, then it's going to make overcoming temptation so much easier. Number three, respond to all sin with life. Respond to all sin with life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil equals condemnation. But the tree of good and evil equals conviction. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation says, you're no good. You're too far from God. Uh, You're a sinner. You'll never be anything different. You suck. Conviction says, I've done wrong or this is wrong. But because I am so convicted of the truth, because I'm so convicted of God's love, Because I'm so convicted that I need to follow in God's way for my life. I will turn away from that sin and I'll go towards life. Condemnation says, you've messed up, you're a bum. Conviction says, you messed up and here's the way out. It's kind of like the woman at the well. Now, God didn't approach the woman at the well and say, uh, hey, you've been with five husbands, you suck. No, he says, okay, okay. I know where you've been. I, I, I know the type of pain that you felt because all of these men have been in your life and left you and I give you grace. However, go and sin no more go and sin no more. And that is the right view of God. God is first going to cover you with grace. That is his first approach to you. And then he'll say, go and sin no more. He won't say you've messed up. You suck. He'll say, Hey, I see where you went wrong. And I grace you for that. Now go and sin no more. Romans eight, one through two says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need to stop having a tree of the knowledge and good and evil view of God, a condemnation view of God. God does not condemn you for your past. He does not hold your past against you. No, he graces you like he graced the woman at the well. And he says, here's your hope in the future. Here's the plan that I have for you. You have a future and you are going to walk in that. So go and sin no more. Not for me, but for you. Go and sin no more because I have a great plan for you. And that's going to fulfill you more than anything of your past ever will. So I wipe your past away. And here's your hope in the future. Respond to all sin with life. And number four, guard your heart from going back. You have to keep that tree of life you of God, And you do that by guarding your heart from going back. So what are you going to do to be godly? You have to make a choice. You have to make the choice to just fall in love with Jesus. You have to make the choice to make prayer a habit, not from a place of duty, but from a place of delight. I get to pray to God. I get to be with him. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30, 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings, and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. I love this scripture. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 is saying, You have the option, you can choose life, and God has set before you the options life or death, blessings or curses, and you have the opportunity to choose life. You have the opportunity to choose blessing. You have the opportunity to choose the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have the opportunity to to just fall deeply and madly in love with God. And it doesn't matter what's happened to you in your past because you have the opportunity to choose life for your future. And so make the commitment today that, hey, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose delight. I'm going to choose a loving relationship with God that's not based on my works, that's not full of condemnation, but that's full of conviction that I want to follow in his ways from a place of love. I know that it's often tempting to go back to the wrong view of God, and that temptation comes from the enemy because the enemy doesn't want us to understand this beautiful grace that we have. He doesn't want us to understand this life-giving relationship that we have with God, and so he'll try and tempt us to get us to continue to believe that we're too far from God. We're not good enough Christians. We need to pray harder do things better. And that's not the way that God sees us. He sees us from the lens of love. And the more that we choose life and choose to see God through the filter of the tree of life, um, the more stable our foundation will be and the more fulfilled we'll be here on earth. I All right, guys, that's the end of today's conversation. If you're a part of the Confident Woman community, then do your part. Leave a review, a five-star podcast rating, and spread the word. If you haven't already, join our Facebook community and follow us on Instagram at Confident Woman Co. As always, stay confident.